Are you interested in learning more about how to start your Salesforce career? Be sure to register for our next live webinar showing you exactly how the Salesforce Career Development Program works, our latest statistics, and up-to-date information about what's going on in the Salesforce ecosystem. To register now, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash live. That's talentstacker.com forward slash L-I-V-E. We look forward to seeing you on the next live webinar. I'm only able to do this stuff because I make so much money now in a Salesforce career. (laughs) (laughs) And you can too. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And And you're you're listening listening to the the Salesforce Salesforce for Everyone Everyone podcast. In today's show, Anita contemplates how young is too young to start a Salesforce career. I don't think there's an inappropriate age to start learning Salesforce. There might be an inappropriate age to look for Salesforce work. Five years old might be too young. Also, Anita spills the secrets on how to land a good interview using the right strategies. There's so many people applying to Salesforce positions using the same strategy. You got to do something to set you apart or just one step above. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's episode, we are switching things up a little bit as promised, and we will be doing a Q&A episode. So we are answering questions from the community and from people who have responded with feedback on the podcast and left their voicemails at talentstacker.com forward slash voicemail. So we'll be playing some of those today, and I think this is going to be a lot of fun to really get to engage with the podcast audience. So with me to help get these questions answered for you guys is Anita Smith. How's it going, Anita? Hey, it's going all right. I am in the middle of being a first-time home buyer, so this is a new experience. A little stressed out. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I feel like you're always up to something huge. Like You're either traveling the world or you're doing something else incredible like buying a home for the first time. So congratulations on that. I know you're still working through uh, the actual process, and I know that can be painful, but this should be hopefully an exciting time for you. Um, Yeah, on on my end, it's like uh, just normal stuff, still uh, being a parent of an only child and and balancing all that fun stuff. So uh, yeah, everything's good. Cool. Yeah. I'm only able to do this stuff because I make so much money now in a Salesforce career. (laughs) (laughs) And you can too. (laughs) All right. So I guess we can dive into some of these questions. I know we've got a lot, so hopefully we can cover a few of them today. And then we are going to continually have future Q&A episodes. So yeah, if you want to have your voice heard on the show, talentstacker.com forward slash voicemail. And let's see what we got. Hi, Anita. I'm Brad. My name is Dorian, and I'm calling from out in Western Massachusetts. I have a couple questions for you. I'd love to hear any thoughts you have around bootcamp or launchpad style positions for early career business analysts I've seen offered by some large consulting firms. With my background, the role really appeals to me, but I've heard some mixed opinions about the efficacy and intensity of some of these programs. I love the idea of being fully immersed working in real world scenarios and being in a supportive learning environment, but I want to make sure I'm making moves to build a sustainable career. Also, what is the origin story of Crumble Cookies and Talent Stacker? Are they just good cookies? Thank y'all so much for everything that you do. I really appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, they're delicious cookies. And this is coming from someone who does not like sweets. They are pretty tasty. And we can talk about the origin story a little bit later. I just want to jump in and answer this question. So I think the answer, it, it depends. Me personally, I don't think you need to go through those programs. They're great. It's great that they exist. And if you if you really 
lack the confidence and you really think you can't do it without the help, then they're they're perfect for you. They help build a really strong base for your career, but you can also just go straight into the job and learn as you go there. Yeah, I think that's fair. And to sort of lay some groundwork or framework around what these are, this is typically when, when we talk about like launchpad programs or boot camps at companies, technically you are getting hired. Like you get an offer letter, you get hired, and these are typically for two years. And they're going to pay substantially less than a typical entry-level salary. So like for the Talent Stacker members, the average entry-level income and your first job with no experience, we typically see around $72,000. For these, they're usually around fifty dollars to $60,000 at the most. So really what you're doing is you're agreeing that if I can just get the job right now and I don't have to go through this grind of trying to keep applying for jobs and keep getting certifications and try to you know improve my interview skills and all this, and I can just accept what's on the table, then I can go to one of these two-year launchpad programs. They'll get me upskilled. I'll probably have like five certifications when I'm done, but I'm only going to get paid, say, 55 k for those first two years. And as we know inside, because we see all the, the stats of all of our members, 72,000 is normal for your first year. And then your second year, you could probably expect closer to 90 to 100,000. So grand total over two years for someone who didn't go through one of those programs, you're probably looking at 150 to $180,000 over, did I do the math right? It doesn't sound, is that right? Yeah. So like $150,000 in two years compared to maybe like a hundred, $110,000 over two years. So if that math doesn't bother you, then this could be a good fit for you. If that math bothers you and you go, you know what? I really am short selling myself massively. Then you should consider just continuing the grind. I think the other thing is that these are a great fit for someone who's in like, I can't pay my bills. I need to land a job. I'm unemployed. Then you can move into one of these and not to give any legal advice, but I have heard that if you're a year into the contract and you decide to leave, there's you know, there's give and take on what they can actually do to you. It's more about burning bridges than it is about, you know, any, I think, major legal ramifications. And even if they hit you with some kind of penalty withholding your last paycheck, probably job hopping after the first year is going to be in your best interest anyway. So anyway, that's my quick run on the Launchpad programs. I think they could be a good fit, but if I were part of like being in the position that we're in, Anita... I would say that it's in most people's best interest, unless they literally cannot put food on the table, they're going to lose their home, those kind of things, wait it out and find a position that's a good fit for you and and pays you what you're worth. Yeah. I mean, and then coming from financial independent background, that difference in salary is an even bigger difference in your retirement funds. If you calculate the compound interest, if you invest it well. So yeah, I'm pro just jump into the job. You don't need one of those programs, but it's there if you want to. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And I think to finish off that two-part question, why is crumble cookies like a thing inside of the Talent Stacker community? The short answer is I really don't know, but I know Justin Ducks introduced everyone and was like pushing crumble cookies on everyone. So it just sort of became a thing. Yeah, I think people order it now to celebrate. But anyways, let's go move on to the next question. So this question came from one of the reviews on Apple Podcasts. This is from Music Dad Ben. And he asks, my wife will be 50 this year and I will be 48. Is that too old to break into this field? And the second part is, I actually love my job that I have, but 
would like to make more money. Is part-time in Salesforce a possibility? Mm, really good question. And we get the part-time question a lot. And the truth is we get the, I, I think, sort of the age or ageism question a lot too. Like, can I still do this at the age that I'm at? And the the short answer is yes, you absolutely can. And I would say that age, is it a factor? Like is ageism a reality for both, you know, young people? We've talked about people, you know, 22 years old and younger. And I would say probably 45 years old and older, you're probably going to feel ageism, right? And I would argue that the psychological hurdle is probably bigger than the actual hurdle. And it's not to minimize the fact that it's real, but it is to say that you put a lot of pressure on yourself. I've seen this a lot with our members and people in the community where the roller coaster ride is real for anyone, right? Like it, you can be a 30 year old, you know, who's got tech background experience, whatever else, seems like the perfect fit. And you're still going to go through the roller coaster of I applied for some jobs. I really thought I was going to get the offer. I didn't. I don't know why. But when you're in those age ranges that are more prone to experiencing ageism, you kind of get to the end of that thought process and you go, I didn't get the offer. I really thought I was a great fit. I don't know why. And then a lot of times you can take yourself into like, oh, well, it must be because I'm this age. And that could be true, but it's not always true. And what I would say is that with this topic, it's a lot about taking your past experience, which you obviously have an incredible amount of past experience and showcasing that value in a very, I would say, concise way. You don't want to have a three-page resume or a LinkedIn profile with 10, 20 years of past experience. You want to make it very concise and quickly show employers why you are extremely high value and actually the amount of experience that you have, both life experience and work experience, are incredibly valuable to these companies. What do you think, Anita? Well, to answer the first part, yes, you can absolutely do this at your age. Second part, so it, it kind of sounds to me like you want to keep your job, but do Salesforce part-time. So that can be tricky because when you're starting in a completely new line of work, it's hard to go into it part-time because you need that full-time to actually learn the job. However, there are some unique cases. Myself, for example, my first job was part-time. It was with a, a startup consultancy, and it was very simple configuration work. That allowed me to work part-time, although I was looking for a full-time job. Usually it's vice versa. People who have full-time job are looking for part-time. So it's out there, but you might struggle finding someone to give you that shot at a part-time role as your first role in the Salesforce ecosystem. Yeah, I would agree. And just thinking of it logically, like most employers who are paying for the number one CRM in the world, and they're paying very good money for these licenses to have this at their company, they sort of perceive a Salesforce professional at their company as a full-time role. Just by default, that's what they're used to. It's what they're comfortable with. If they ask Salesforce what they recommend, they're going to recommend an employee and give them a maybe a sample job description. And they're all going to be full-time typically. So what you're doing is if you go out on Indeed or LinkedIn jobs and you look for Salesforce jobs that are part-time, you're probably not going to find much. So just as a simple you know, logistical numbers game, you can go, okay, there's 100,000 full-time Salesforce job openings, and there's 100 part-time Salesforce job openings. Clearly, 
you have immediately put yourself at a disadvantage from that perspective. However, I've had part-time jobs in the past, Salesforce part-time jobs, especially when I was getting my consultancy off the ground, I wanted a part-time role. And so I went out and what I did is I went to companies that were posting full-time positions and I would find something I felt like I was really, really, really well qualified for, like probably under my skill level. And then pitching them and saying, hey, you know, what you're hiring for a 40 hour a week person, I'm betting you I can do that in 20 hours a week. Can I have a shot at this? Can I at least talk to somebody and, and see if this might be a fit? So in your position, I would say, think about what you've done in your past and you might have additional value where you can say, hey, look, I'm an entry level Salesforce person, but I will grow and learn. And I've got this background experience that is specifically aligned with what your business does. So I think I can be high value and more valuable than just my Salesforce experience. So I would just kind of consider that food for thought in a few different directions you might be able to take that. But to Anita's point, I typically recommend that people get about a year of full-time experience under their belt. And then it's very easy to walk up to those companies and say, hey, look, I've got the experience. I can do the job. I feel confident that I can do this for you. It's not going to take me 40 hours a week. All right. So I've been getting this question a lot on social media and it's around putting in hundreds of job applications for these remote tech jobs and specifically Salesforce jobs, and not getting responses, like just getting automated responses, not getting invited to interviews. And if you actually get a real response from a real human from the company, that's actually like a really great outcome. So they've been asking that and then saying like, what gives if all these jobs are out there and I'm applying for them, why am I not getting responses to these? So what do you think, Anita? Yeah. Those people sound like they're probably just clicking on quick apply on LinkedIn, which might be a good strategy in another industry, but there's so many people applying to Salesforce positions right now using the same strategy. It's not going to get you very far. You got to do something to set you apart or just one step above, whether that's like looking for the recruiter on LinkedIn and sending them a personalized message or taking the extra step just to, you know, you see this company is looking for applicants, just go to that company's website and apply directly with them. There's so many different tips and tools. Also, I guess, looking up to see if you have any mutual connections and try to reach out to those. I think that's another good way. Or going to the company LinkedIn page and see who currently works there or in that department, you would like to join and ask for an informational interview, stuff like that. What about you? Yeah, it's it's really, you know, a lot of the same things you just mentioned. And I would, in my head, this topic is job search strategy. And it's something that people don't have. There is no strategy around the job search. It's just, oh, there's a website that allows me to apply for jobs. I'll just follow the guidelines of that website like every other person in the whole world and hope that somehow they pick me. And so when I'm talking to people, I, I'm typically saying, do you want to get the jobs that the employers happen to give you? Because if you want to get those jobs, then you're going to get the bottom of the barrel position every time. You're going to get the lowest paying positions every time. You're going to get the highest responsibility and workload every time. And the reason for that is because the people getting the best positions are those that have a job search strategy, like you just outlined. It's like, all right, I applied for a job on LinkedIn. I applied for 10 jobs today, but one of them really stood out. It was like, man, they should hire me. I am a great fit for this company. I would love to work there. They should hire me. So do something about it, right? Like, don't just say, oh man, I hope they see my resume. I hope like 
that doesn't make sense. Like if that's a good fit for you, I would just say this is an example process you could go through. And anytime you can put a process behind what you're doing, you're going to be able to scale that process and create results. And you're going to get better and better and better the more you repeat it and figure out how it works and why it works and how to make it happen again. So what I would do is I'd say, man, amazing company. I feel like a perfect fit for this job. Like Anita said, I would go find that company page on LinkedIn and I would first follow the page and then see if they've posted anything in the last 10 days. And if they have, I would engage with that post in a meaningful way, not saying, ooh, great post or thanks for this. Like, come on, like you, you're trying to differentiate yourself. So you're going to say something along the lines of whatever that topic is. Wow, that's really interesting. I love that you guys are doing this. I actually saw another company do this and they had incredible success. I think you guys are really making waves and innovating in the industry. I love that, right? So you do that on two or three posts in a week. And the fact is, whoever that social media manager is or that marketing person, they're going to start to recognize your face because people who uh, post on LinkedIn specifically, you're lucky to get 10 comments. Like if you get 10 comments, that's a really exceptional post. So you're probably going to be one of two or three comments and they're going to start noticing you. The other thing you're going to do, just like Anita said, is go look at the people who work for that company. Search for people who seem like they would be related to the Salesforce role. So you might actually just search for the word Salesforce in their title or experience, or you might be looking for someone who works in business operations, sales operations, support management, like the different departments who probably use Salesforce. And they're probably the ones who are feeling pain by not having a great Salesforce professional on staff. And that's the whole reason you're being hired. Now do the same thing. Go see which ones of those are active. See which ones of those posted here in the last 10 days. Did anybody post? Are they active on LinkedIn? Engage with that post just like you would with their company page. Same thing. You're going to start standing out to them. Once you spend about a week building a little bit of rapport on their public posts, now you can send a private message and it's organic. And you can say, hey, I've been really enjoying your posts, like really great content. It's, it's awesome. I'm surprised more people aren't just like in love with it. I happen to notice that you work at this company. And I just realized I connected the dots. I applied for that company last week and you work there and I would love to work there. Do you have any tips around like who I should talk to or what I could do to, you know, maybe get my resume to the top of the stack and just show them some respect, show them some love. And if you do this with 10 different companies, I can pretty well guarantee you, you're going to get a ton of traction. So that's the difference between applying for jobs and saying, I'm going to cross my fingers and pray that someone please give me a job versus... I'm going to apply for jobs with a job search strategy, and I'm going to go get the job I want, not take the job they give me. It's a, it's a very different approach. And I think that's where you end up putting in hundreds of job applications and not getting results. Don't go put in another hundred job applications. You need to change your job search strategy. Yep. And I just wanted to point out key thing there that Bradley said, wait until you build rapport before asking for a job. Don't go on their public company page and on their posts like, right, please give me a job because I've seen people do this before. Do not do that. Not a good look. Also, if you do set up any informational interviews, do not go in thinking that you're going to ask them for a job. Really, you're interviewing that person about their role, their history, make it all about them. Don't even bring that your job searching up unless they ask. Just don't bring it up. All right, done. <laughs> yeah, I think in one little tidbit I'll put on that too is like why this works. Like it's sort of the icing on top of why the strategy works. A lot of times, especially with consulting companies, they are struggling to find qualified talent. And a lot of times if you're talking to consultants at a consulting company, 
and they're like, hey, this, this person seems pretty well qualified. I kind of think this person's a good fit. Then they can pretty easily get basically a referral fee for sending you to the HR and like bringing your resume to the top. So it's a win-win for everybody. So a lot of times they actually have a sort of monetary reason why they might go, okay, thanks for the private message. I'll send them your name. Why not? All right. So let's bring up the next voicemail from Leanne. Hello, Brad and Anita. My name is Leanne. I've just taken the Talent Stagger 5-Day Challenge, and I can't tell you enough how grateful I am for the kickstart on this journey with Salesforce. My question is, how do I find a study group or a group that is ready to get started on an independent project? In the episode about volunteering, you mentioned the example of somebody who built an org for superhero Salesforce. And I really like the idea of this no-risk practice project prior to helping out a nonprofit with volunteer work, but I'm nervous to do that alone. I'd rather have a group that I can rely on and get feedback from. So I'd love any suggestions you have about how to connect with other people just getting started and find somebody who would want to work with me. Thanks. Good question. And thanks for the shout out. That is Trail Avengers, this build along our very own Alex Wernicke created to help people get more experience. So easy answer, join Talent Sacker. <laughs> but honestly, there are so many communities within the Ohana, you can find a group of people to put together to kind of you can create your own Oregon, your own like business case, or you could do one that's like personal, but I would go either Salesforce for Everyone Facebook group. It's free and open to everyone. You can go in there and just ask around. There are all sorts of places like Slack Ohana. LinkedIn has a bunch of different Salesforce groups as well. I mean, you can even post on LinkedIn asking if anyone wanted to team up on a project. There's so many places to go. If you want to do it in person, you can also look for a local trailblazer community meetup. There's a lot of them out there and they usually meet up on Saturdays for Salesforce Saturdays. That's a great way to form a group. Let's see, is there anything I'm missing, Brad? I think that's it. Like, I think that that would be my advice. If you're like, hey, I'm not joining a program. I am doing this myself. I refuse to spend a penny. Okay. Then I agree with you. I would go to, from from my experience, and maybe I'm biased, but I would go to the the Facebook group, Salesforce for Everyone, like you mentioned. And I would post and there's like 20,000 people in there. So get ready because it's about to get wild with the people who want to join you. So I would just say, yes, Anita's advice is spot on. So I will give you the word of warning and I will say, this is not going to be like post in the morning, have your crew together by the afternoon and ready to roll this weekend. What you're very likely going to run into, because I can tell you this through the inside lens of running a paid program, right? We have people who join study groups for certifications and flake out even though they've paid for a program. We have people who join volunteer projects and they might land a job and leave the volunteer project and go start their job. And on the other hand, we, we do have people, and these are, keep in mind, these are people who have paid to be part of this experience and they still, for whatever reason, a lot of things go on in people's personal lives. They choose to move away from that and go a different direction. Now, if you're doing this in a totally open access environment and you're saying, hey, I'd like to get five people to join me to do a project together. It's a really cool concept and you can definitely pull it off, but you're going to need some type of qualification 
process. Like you have to, cause you're going to have like 50 people who are going to private message you and they want to join and they want to do it. And then you're going to respond to them and only 20 are even going to respond to your first thing to say like, okay, when can you meet? And then the 20 who do respond to where, when can they meet? You're going to have to now be the organizer of getting them all together at the right time and on the right zoom call and make sure that you have enough time for everybody. And once you get them all on, I would say if 20 agree to join at a certain time, you're probably going to have close to eight or 10 actually join. And then if you plan on doing this, say twice a week for a month, by the time you get to the end of week one or week two, you're probably going to be down to yourself and maybe one or two other people if you're lucky. And I don't say that to be negative. I say that it's a reality. The reality is if people have no skin in the game and they just really don't feel like showing up, maybe they're tired today or a new Netflix original came out and they want to watch it. And guess what? There's no skin. So they're going to go do what they want to do. And that's up to them. So I would say that is why Talent Stacker is so effective is because instead of you spending 100 hours, truly, and I would say in a six, six weeks of trying to organize people, you're probably going to spend 100 hours of your time and energy and thinking and uh, whatever else trying to get that to happen. And if you value your time at 20 bucks an hour, you just paid for the whole Talent Stacker program instead of doing that. And now you win on both ends. So I would just put it that way. If you're ready for that struggle and sort of that hurdle to get over, go for it. Do it yourself. You got this. I would probably recommend finding a couple of close people that you feel like you're communicating with nicely. You kind of know them. They've been responsive to your posts. Maybe you guys have private messaged a little bit already and just grab a couple of really core people and run with them in hopes that you can get past a lot of those barriers. All right. And we have another voicemail from Andy Hartfield. How young is too young to start working toward a Salesforce certification? My son is 16 and not really pumped about going to college. And I've recently been working through my Salesforce admin certification, and he's been really interested, kind of looking over my shoulder as I've been doing it. And I'm just wondering, at what age is it appropriate to start working toward that? Is there an age that's really too young? Yeah, appreciate it. I'm going to go and say uh, five years old might be too young. I don't know. So there's like two parts of the question. I don't think there's an inappropriate age to start learning Salesforce. There might be an inappropriate age to look for Salesforce work. (laughs) So I am Chinese and I have Asian parents and they would probably, if they knew about this when I was younger, they would probably make me do it as soon as I could read. Because I remember growing up, my mom gave me homework on top of normal school homework. Like during the summers, I had a thick 200 page workbook that I had to work through every summer instead of enjoying my summer. So coming from like Asian parents, (laughs) they would probably start as soon as like I could, you know, use a computer. I I don't know, kids nowadays, they like use iPads when they're what, four years old? I I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, I can sort of relate to this a little bit because my wife has a 14 year old younger brother. So they're 20 years separated. And I've been wanting to get him involved with Salesforce, but you know, he comes and stays with us a few months every summer and I can just tell, right. He's, he's not quite ready, but I I think in this case, you're saying that, you know, that this person is looking over your shoulder and they seem to be intrigued or at least interested in this topic. To me, that's what I'm looking for. Like I'm looking for that moment when they have interest. It's not me pushing it on them and saying, Hey, you should learn Salesforce because this is going to make you better prepared for the future. 
I would definitely be pushing that topic senior year of high school, but 16, I think would put them in maybe junior year. Not quite sure. That could be a little early if they're not interested, but, but if you're saying they're interested, then absolutely. I would be getting them on trailhead and starting to work towards that first certification because I mean, we have people like Patrick Amos, who uh, was on the show just a couple of episodes ago, who got his first certification his senior year of high school. And by the time he finished high school, he was already contracting at, you know, incredible hourly rates. And then he got to make a decision of, do I want to go to college? And if I do go to college, I'm going to be able to work, you know, side gigs, making 50 bucks an hour for these consultancies as a Salesforce pro, or I can choose not to go to college at all and just go ahead and become a Salesforce professional. So my answer would be, if I've got a young person looking over my shoulder interested in Salesforce, I'm 100% leaning into that and trying to make this fun for them, even encouraging them to you know, do a little bit more each day. So that would be my advice. And we have one final voicemail from Garen Woodbridge. Hey, Bradley, Anita, and the whole talent stacker team. Thank you so much for all you guys do. My name is Garen Woodbridge. I'm from Toledo, Ohio. My question involves the job side of things and getting a job or maybe salary negotiations. I know you don't necessarily need a degree in order to get into Salesforce, but what if you already have a bachelor's or a master's like myself and how does that impact pay since it's not necessary? It may not be exactly in the field of experience for Salesforce, but how does that complement or if it plays any part into the salary negotiations, what you should expect in your first job? Thank you. All right. So college degrees and tech jobs, I think this is becoming a more popular conversation. And I think that's because people are starting to realize whether you consider it, if you don't have a college degree, it's, you're really fortunate, you know, when you get into this conversation because you're going, oh, I decided not to go to college. And now it turns out that I can still be a successful tech professional against what my college counselors were telling me or my high school counselors were telling me and all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, certifications, especially in the Salesforce ecosystem, are going to carry more weight than a college degree unless you've got something like a computer science degree. Then obviously that's going to show a very strong dedication to this career path and a very strong interest in this career path. Now, on the other hand, having a associates or a bachelor's or a master's, it's certainly not going to hurt you. And in fact, there are still companies out there who would prefer to hire someone with a degree. So it could give you some leverage for certain companies. Now to this question, you know, we talk about entry-level Salesforce salaries coming in at, you know, just over $70,000. So could that college degree give you a boost to your negotiation upfront to maybe come in at a higher income? I'm going to tell you the short answer is I don't have any data to prove that that's possible based on the data that we've received from, you know, getting people into hundreds of jobs this year alone, the people without college degrees and the people with college degrees are all getting paid within, you know, the same range. So I would say based on the statistics, the actual proven data is that your college degree is not going to get you a higher entry level salary. However, I would say that it could give you an extra line of leverage and maybe getting into some of those companies or having more traction with companies that still have what I would consider outdated hiring processes. Yep, 100% agree. I know everyone out there who has their college degree don't want to hear it, that <laughs> all that money they put in didn't really 
help. I mean, it will help eventually. One, yes, for the companies that just need that checkbox, you'll probably pass through their ATS, their resume search system a little faster than others who don't. And maybe not for your entry first role, but your second and your third role, they might look at that if it's a leadership role to see that you have a master's degree is a big plus. But entry level Salesforce, mm, unless your degree is in the same industry as the company, even then, I don't know how much it would help. I mean, it, it it gives you a bit of an edge versus someone who doesn't have that degree in that same industry. But for salary negotiation, it's probably not as a, a big of a difference than you think it would be. Yeah. I'll just say also, like I think for somebody who's listening right now and, and they're going, man, I have a master's degree. Like what a depressing answer to my question. I would say like, don't look at it that way. Like take a deep breath and just say like, look, that in, in any situation, what's happened in the past and what you've done in the past, it's not a negative. Just go forward here. You still have the same opportunities to just push forward and be successful just like everyone else. So it's really not a big deal. Just like rush forward from here instead of sort of having that gambler's mentality of saying, well, then I'll go find a job that that wants my degree just to prove a point that I want to get this degree used. Like, please don't go do something like that. What I will say is if you're considering going back to college or thinking you need to go back to college in order to be successful in a Salesforce career, especially, um, the answer is you absolutely do not need to do that. In fact, we've had C-level executives at consulting companies in the Salesforce space say that they value a talent stacker alumni, someone who's gone through the talent stacker program with the same credentials as someone who has a bachelor's in computer science. So you're talking about comparing those two things and having four years of computer science you know, training at a university versus having four to six months of training through an online program. And a lot of employers, especially in the tech space, are weighting those two things very similarly. So I would just say, if you're looking at remote tech jobs as your career path, college is not going to be the most efficient route to seeing success in those areas. Wow. That was a really strong testimonial from one of the companies that hires talent stackers. All right. So if anyone is interested in saving a bit of money, you know, the talent stacker program is a lot cheaper than getting a master's degree. <laughs> if you want to get started, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start. And if you are listening to the show and you're getting value and you feel like, man, this is a great show and we hope you feel that way, then go ahead and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and feel free to go ahead and leave us a review and some written feedback if your platform allows that. And if you would like to have your question answered on the show, feel free to head over to talentstacker.com forward slash voicemail and go ahead and leave us a voice question and we will get that answered. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonza. If you like what we do at this Scrappy Can Do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.